Hey y'all, welcome back to Love, Sweat, and Tears, Ingredients for Transformative Campus Leadership. Today, I've got Dr. Katherine Kennedy with me, and she is amazing, all about relationships and how to build them and maintain them. And it's so good. Dr. Kennedy has been a classroom teacher. She's been an admin at the pre-K level, at the elementary level, and at the middle school level. And then she was also the assistant superintendent over middle schools in her district, in Isleta District in El Paso, Texas, um, which is my hometown. So it was wonderful talking to just such an incredible, authentic, powerful, and intelligent woman from my hometown. Dr. Kennedy, thank you so much for joining me that day. Y'all, you're in for a treat. All right. Today, we have Catherine Kennedy with us. She'll tell you more about herself, but she's been in Isleta ISD in El Paso, Texas for a couple decades. Uh, three decades, actually. Yeah. 32. Okay, awesome. So tell us more about your story. I'd really like to start with your school experience. What was school like for you as a kid? And what kind of student were you? I, I loved school. Mm. I loved the, the learning. I loved the preparation for learning. I was the student and even adult that gets excited about buying school supplies for the first day, first week of school, for the whole year, basically. Um, it just really, it was just something about learning was very exciting for me. And I think I was very blessed to have great teachers. Mm -hmm. In fact, starting from kindergarten, I still remember my kindergarten teacher and we reconnected last year. Oh, wow. It was the best experience ever. I, when I saw her, I cried and I felt like I was the five-year-old that was in her classroom, but we went full circle oh. in that her grandson was going to middle school. And so for the last nine years, I have been the associate superintendent of her middle schools and uh, her son was going to start middle school and she saw my my face on the website and took a chance to see if this was her student yeah. way back when. And, um, you know, from the very beginning, school has been just something very important in my life and something that I just, I just love. And so, uh, again, great experiences. I was at a K-8 school for the longest time. And then the board, my end, the end of my seventh grade year, the board decided, let's make Scottsdale Elementary a K-6. And then I had to go to a middle school. And that was literally like the worst experience ever. So I laugh when I, in the role that I had, that I am actually taking care of kids in, in a place where I didn't feel successful. Um, it was just a very big school. And, and just overall, middle school in general is hard. It's, it's physically, uh, socially, you're going through an awkward time. And so I was, I was lost for a good year. But what was really good about that experience is when you get to middle school, you are exposed to a lot of different things. Yeah. And uh, one being a, an array of electives that you can take. Yeah. The other is uh, different experiences with athletics. I was not an athlete mm -hmm. whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, but I dabbled in taking an art class. That was not for me. <laughs> and went into a speech and debate class, not even knowing what that was going to be about. But the teacher took me under her wing. It took a bunch of us under her wing and we competed. There were contests. I didn't know anything about speech contests. And we were performing. And at the end of that performance, I had a teacher that came up to us and said, I hope you all are going to enroll in my class next year because we're going to high school. Didn't know who she was. So I thought, wow, this lady really took an interest. And so I, I signed up for her class. And lo and behold, I became a speechy. And I was in a speech and debate for four years in high school. And the skills that you learn from that experience is unmatched. And so I did everything from um, uh, poetry, prose, a lot of interpretation events. And then my junior year, she said, I want you to try debate. I thought, no way, I, that's not me. And um, she had me uh, pair up with another uh, peer of mine, and we ended up being uh, ranked 16th in the state of Texas. And it was just an amazing experience. And, and because of her, I really credit uh, the things that I was able to do yeah. after high school yeah. because of her. I love that she pushed you a little bit, like she believed in you. And I think even just that belief, 
that someone else sees something that you don't really see can be so powerful in helping students kind of experience that struggle and success in school that's so important at that age. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if you've seen the movie A Million Miles Away. I haven't. No. So that's a movie about the first migrant farmer who became an astronaut. Yes. On Prime, is it? I think I've I've been seeing things about it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I was watching it Sunday night and Mm. I am crying because literally it happened because of the power of a teacher. Mm, Yeah. The teacher that believed in him gave him an assignment. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he drew a picture of a rocket and he said, I want to be an astronaut. And this teacher encouraged him. And it was, oh, it goes full circle. It's a beautiful story. And I think everybody needs a teacher like that. Yeah, it's so important. So Mm -hmm. was it some of those experiences with teachers that saw you that kind of made you want to go into education? Like, how did you make that decision for yourself? So believe it or not, my first um, degree that I was pursuing was not in education. I wanted to go into communications. And again, because of my experience that I had. But at that time, the university was going through like a rehaul. They were restructuring the department. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, maybe this isn't for me. And my sister had just started teaching. And again, I love teaching and learning. So I thought, I'll give it a shot. And I fell in love with it. Oh my goodness, I fell in love with it. I doing my student teaching, I was able to leave early and I and I got a job in November. I remember the date, November 5th, wow. 1990, 1990 actually, because that was the birth date of one of my students. Mm. And at the end of the day, she came up to me and she said, "You're my birthday present." Oh my god. And and to this day we are still in contact thanks to social media wow. and um it was just, it was a great experience. And I loved my kids. I had 20 kids the very first year. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to be like the norm. And then my second year, I had like 27, 28 kids. Yeah. And I remember going to the administrator saying, uh, I think I have too many kids. And he's looking at me like, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. And I just, I just fell in love with teaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything I did was because of my kids. Mm-hmm. And so when I would talk to them after they left my class and they'd go to sixth grade or they went to middle school, and they would come back with just a horrible experience. And, and that really saddened me because I thought everybody felt the way that I felt. And if they didn't, there must have been a reason. And that's why I thought, well, maybe I need to be that principal that helps motivate and keep teachers excited about teaching and learning. And so I decided to go into uh, administration. But alongside that, I wanted also to be an attorney. And I thought maybe I can be an attorney of educational school law. So I just dabbled in in seeing what would that look like. And I applied to law school. I didn't get in my first year, uh, but decided to go forward with my master's at uh, UTEP as well. Loved that work. Met a lot of wonderful people. Um, It was just a great experience. Still pursuing, trying to get into law school. And then the last semester that I was going to graduate, I get accepted into law school. And so I went home, of course, you know, I was excited to tell my parents. And and my parents, um, they were just very hardworking people that were, um, family was really important, kept us very close together. And breaking the news that their daughter wanted to leave El Paso and pursue this, it just wasn't going to happen. And so I thought, okay. Um, and my dad was very practical, very sensible, and just basically said, you know, you tell me that you love what you're doing. Why don't you just stick with it? Give it a, a shot and see what happens. And so uh, I turned law school down and finished my degree and, and was hired pretty pretty quickly and became an administrator uh, after five years in the classroom. Okay. So tell me about those first few years as an admin. Did you feel supported and successful? Did you feel like you were floundering? Like, what was that like as you kind of stepped into that transition? You know, I'm, I'm very true to my faith, and, and I think God puts you where you need to be. And he gave me the best mentor ever. And I thought that that was the experience everybody had because I felt so confident. In fact, my first day, um, I was hired in like October, so I didn't even start the school year with, with this faculty. 
And um, when I went to actually meet everybody, we're going into the library. And, and mind you, I'm 5'2". The principal is shorter than me. She's probably put five feet. And she whispered in my ear, and she says, stand tall. And I walked in there with just like this confidence that came from her because, again, she did believe in me. And um, it was a wonderful experience. What I learned from her are things that even 32 years later still hold true to my heart, still share with aspiring administrators. She truly took me in, um, gave me so much um, autonomy, but with a lot of guidance. Did I fail? Oh, yeah. But she didn't uh, demean me. She didn't reprimand me. If anything, every day was a teaching moment. So I never felt by myself. I never felt like, even though I did fail in my mind, I didn't feel defeated. And uh, it was a great three years. But personally, personally, I decided to get married the first year, have my son the second year, and then my daughter the third year. And it was a whirlwind. And so uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for many, many years. And I thought, you know what? I think I want to stay at home. I want to take care of my kids. And I took a year off, and that was the hardest year of my life. Cried a lot. Called my mom a lot. Like, Mom, how did you do it? You had four kids. I have two. And I realized, too, that I missed working. I missed being around school, uh, the kids, uh, the whole, you know, hustle and bustle of what we do. So I went back to work, but there weren't any openings for administrators. So um, at the time, our district was partnering up with uh, the university, and uh, they established what was called the El Paso Collaborative, and that allowed every school to hire a literacy leader, which is what we call now instructional coaches. So that was an eye-opening, an eye-opener for me, um, learning how to really teach reading and writing across the board. Now, mind you, I was in the classroom five years for only one grade level, and now I had to go back and teach best practices, reading and writing, uh, grades kinder through uh, sixth grade. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I went back to the school that I was the AP at. So I saw somebody in my role as an assistant principal, and I had to let go of that and then just focus on being that coach, that literacy leader. And, uh, and it, was, it was a great experience, and it really helped strengthen me um, professionally. And, and we always say that uh, administrators need to be that instructional leader. Yeah. And I was really given the tools to make that happen That's... because I, I stayed in that role for about a year and a half and then uh, went back into administration. Yeah, that's fascinating that you had that component of your career to kind of take back into the administrative role. Um, right. Wow. Right. I think everybody needs to do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so as you kind of go back into administration, how was that? Did you feel that importance of the instructional coaching to like pressure to like get in there and help teachers? Were you able to do that? How did you maintain that balance? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the, uh, you know, you hear it all the time that great principals never forget what it's like to be in the classroom. Right. So I carry that with me and, and even whatever role that I had, um, because my job is to help make that person, the campus, the kids better than when they started. Yeah. And so my experience at uh, working with the uh, El Paso Collaborative really opened up my eyes in terms of the uh, capability and the abilities of kids. Mm. And so I left elementary and went into um, working with uh, a pre-K center. We, Isleta okay. has two or had two pre-K centers. So it was just four-year-olds all day long. Yeah. And to see the practices that I saw at the elementary level being implemented and delivered with our four-year-olds, mm. it was amazing. Yeah. And the added plus was my own kids were now at that age level. Mm. So whatever we did at school, I would come home and replicate it at, yeah. at home. And so my kids got immersed in, in, in loving literacy and, mm. and books and, and knowing uh, the importance of taking time uh, to learn new words and, and to know authors. Mm. Know authors as if you knew them, like they're your best friends. Mm -hmm. And so um, it, was, it was a great experience that helped me further on. And so what I love to tell um, aspiring administrators or current administrators is 
everything that you are currently doing is preparing you for what's next. Mm. And although you may not understand it, you've got to know that what you're going through, you were destined to go through that. Mm. So my next leap was after I left as an assistant principal at the pre-K center, mm -hmm. I became the principal at the other pre-K center. Okay. And so I was able to uh, merge both, we, uh, to have a good collaboration between both centers. Mm -hmm. Again, very blessed to work with a phenomenal principal. Um, and she really helped me um, prepare for uh, at the other pre-K center. And uh, it was a great partnership for a good two years. And so then at some point you become this assistant superintendent. What was that like? What, what led to you making that decision? Oh, wow. Um, so I, after the pre-K, I was uh, a principal at an elementary okay. campus, and I did that for about um, six years. And then again, having somebody see something in you, I would have never thought that I would jump into the middle. And when you are approached by a couple of people, one being my, my counselor that followed me from pre-K to elementary, she left me at elementary. Try not to take that personally. <laughs> she was ready to go to the middle school. Mm. And after a year or so that she was there, she called me up and, you know, talking to me and said, you know, you would be a great middle school principal. I thought, oh, no way. I, that's, I'm yeah. staying here at the elementary. And then the associate superintendent at the time also encouraged me and said, you should really consider doing that. Hmm. So I did. And it was wonderful. And, and wonderful in that, when I was the principal at the pre-K center, those kids were now my middle school students. So it was great to see them. They still, same face, just taller bodies, <laughs> um, but the same needs too. Because again, middle school, you're going through that adolescent phase. And they'll tell you the research is there that that adolescent phase is really comparable to going through your terrible twos, just, you know, bigger bodies and stuff. So. It was, it was great to make those connections, connections with not just them, but with um, the students as well. Yeah. And then um, at the end of the, I guess, my sixth year at the elementary campus, my, uh, my father unexpectedly passed away. Mm. And that was really difficult for me to, to go through. And um, I, didn't want, I didn't want to allow myself to, to grieve. And I needed to distract myself. And going to school was like, the best way to do it. So I went to UTEP and, and enrolled, got accepted into the uh, doctoral program there okay. and um, was able to complete my study, did my, my dissertation on, on observation on walkthroughs. And, and it was my, I guess, second um, year at the middle school that I finished my, my degree. And then at central office, we were going through a change of superintendents. And uh, the superintendent, uh, Dr. Del Toro, who was still the superintendent in YSD, came to visit my campus. And uh, we were talking, and he's asking me the question, you know, well, what is it that you want to do? And, you know, just graduating with my degree, feeling that I was on top of the world, yeah. I just said, well, I want to take your job. <laughs> and, and he was like, okay. And um, it just, things fell into place. And there was an opportunity and he uh, was able to, to hire me as uh, one of his associate superintendents. Wow. That's crazy. I love it how is. much support and encouragement you've had all along the way. Is that part of what way. made this position and this role of supporting administrators so important to you? Like, how did you use that experience as you supported campus admins? Yeah, I'm just, you know, using the same philosophy, um, I think what's important as a leader that you already know who you are mm. and, and what you stand for. And again, knowing that first and foremost, my job is to help coach and make people better. Mm -hmm. And going into education, I mean, you, you are a gift to so many. And you also need to make sure that you um, value and appreciate the people that you work with. Mm. Um, leadership is, is a difficult and lonely job, um, but if you've got the right people that will encourage you and help you, it is so rewarding, mm. and you'll continue to do your best, and you'll continue to, to succeed because of the people that believe in you, yeah. and so the people that I surround myself with 
I want to make sure that they're given the same experience that I had. Mm. And again, there's a reason why I went through what I did. And, and I have met people along the way because they impact you. They may play a certain role in your story, whether it's, it's a title of a chapter or the entire chapter or a good three quarters of the whole book. These people, there's a reason why they're in your life. And so I want to make sure that I'm able to play a significant role in the people that I work with. Uh, there's a reason why that, yeah, there's a reason why they're, they're in your life. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure, or I want to make sure that I also play a significant role in the lives of the people that I, um, that I supervise, that I work with. Um, I, I just read recently that a true measure of success is truly how you treat others and how others remember you by. Mm -hmm. And so um, how you treat people is important. And that's something that growing up, my father would always say, you've got to live by the golden rule. And as simple as that phrase is, it's difficult. It's not very easy for people to, to treat people nicely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fact that we have to have what's called an SEL class because people are forgetting how to treat each other, that's, that's significant. What did you do for administrators that didn't feel like they have people that they can lean on like that, that don't that feel alone or isolated? If the campus level admin is hearing this and saying, that sounds great, I don't have that. Yeah. Where can they go to get that? What would you say? I think it's important that uh, you seek out a, a, a group of mentors. Whether if you don't feel you have that support in your district, there are people around the city that are pretty uh, prominent and, and they carry a good reputation and, and you need to reach out and, and find some help and, and network with each other. Um, everything that you do as a leader has to be so purposeful, so deliberate. And so when we plan for meetings, when we plan for um, just one-on-one -on -one conversations, it's got to be something that you need that you know that when they walk away, they're gonna they're gonna learn something from that. Um, I just you know as as a leader, I've just always made it very um, wanted to make sure that they didn't feel alone. And so even as a leader, if I see somebody that's struggling and I'm not quote unquote their supervisor, I have a responsibility and an obligation to help them. And so I will, you know, provide that support. And so if anybody needs help and support, they can definitely call me because I'll be there for them. Mm, that's so sweet. We talked about this kind of motto of know yourself, know your people, and know your plan. Um, I'd like to kind of break that down a little bit and talk how we can do that um, and why it's important. Um, so talk to me about that knowing yourself element. We've touched on it. Um, but mm -hmm. how was it that you came to know yourself and how did you lead people in knowing themselves as an administrator, as a leader? So I would tie everything in uh, with, with values. Mm. Um, what do you, what do you stand for? Who yeah. are you? What are you going to, to advocate for mm. and fight for? And so, um, you know, if I were, and there's so many every year you need to start by reminding your staff the values of the campus. What do you hold true to yourself? Yeah. And it starts with you. Mm -hmm. Because as a leader, you want to try to, to sway people to the, the, the vision that you yeah. have in place. And so you need to define those values and make it very clear um, that you are a person of integrity, that you're going to be honest with them. Uh, you expect hard work mm -hmm. and you model, yeah. you have to model those behaviors all every time because yeah. you're on 24 seven. Right. And so once you do that and you're able to, um, persuade, convince, uh, that people, you know, really believe in what you're doing, then they'll follow mm -hmm. you and, and there's nothing that they won't do for mm -hmm. you. So once you know who you are, what you expect, then you need to start thinking about, all right, so what is, what is your, your mission? The vision is defined by the organization. You need to make sure that there's true alignment with that. Mm. And then you need to, to know what your plan is. What exactly are you going to accomplish? Yeah. And how are you going to get that done? Yeah. And outline it. And everything that you do must be uh, part of that framework, that plan. I would love to hear about knowing your people. What are some ways that you've seen that practiced really well? 
So when you talk about success and, and the culture of an organization, mm-hmm. it's all about relationships. And the research is there. You'll find it. Whenever anybody talks about culture, they'll tell you it's relationships, relationships, relationships. So you've got to be very genuine. And one thing I remember, because, you know, campuses are, are um, you are dealing with so many different personalities. Just like with as a, as a parent, your kids are very different, right? Um, and I remember having a conversation with a former superintendent of mine, and I was having some difficulties with, with just getting along with, with individuals. And, and he told me, he says, you got to remember, you've got to love all your people. I said, all of them? <laughs> he says, yes, all of them. Yeah. And, uh, and so what exactly does that mean? And it's just simple things that make a huge impact, a huge difference. And one is truly taking the time to get to know who they are as people, not as the fifth grade teacher or the secretary, but who they are as, as a person. Um, Cause you don't know their story, you know, their, there's, you know, their, their home life and their work life. And in order for them to be successful at work, they've got to be successful at home too. And so they need that support. And, and that's when you come in um, because when you've got, employees who have kids that are, are are sick or they're they're the caretaker of their parent you've got to uh, be empathetic and know that there are some things that are going to happen and they're going to need time and they, they need to trust you that they can confide in you and once you have that established then you know that when they're at work they're going to give you a hundred percent and and do whatever you ask them to do that they'll go above and beyond because you went above and beyond for them as well and so you have to be genuine and, and take the time to talk to them and really know who they are as, as people. What were some of the ways that you did that? Would you meet with folks one-on-one? Did you meet in groups or teams? Like, how can we make time for that? We know it's important, why it's important, but it seems like there's a million things that have to get done. And truth be told, we can't do the job well without it but we, right. it can fall through the cracks. So what are some ways that you would actually do that, make that time to get to know your people? Yeah, so every year at the beginning of the year, you have those one-on-one conversations with them just to get a pulse check. I think when you are a principal for the first time, you definitely set up those meetings and really ask them a lot of questions and, and uh, you know get to know them. But make sure that that's not the only time you do that. Um, because every year is a new year. And so uh, you need to invest at the beginning of the year, actually throughout the year. Uh, simple things that I would do every year, um, I would have a form that I would ask them to complete so that it would remind me um, the name of their spouse, of their kids, their favorite snack, their favorite uh, uh, book, um, candle scent. Because then throughout the year, um, if you know, when, when time was right, I would, I would really look at that uh, information and make sure that they know that I remember and do things like um, write them notes, uh, make sure their favorite candy was in their mailbox, birthday cards, um, Christmas cards. One thing I would do is um, I know that there's a life outside of school. Uh, I would take the time to write Christmas cards and send it to to them, regular mail, and, and include their, their spouse's name, their kids' names, because to let them know, I'm thinking not just about you, but I'm thinking about your whole family, because they are just as important to me as they are to you. That's great. I love that. Um, let's see. I want to talk a little bit about peer relationships and then mentor relationships. We've talked so much about the importance of relationships and how to build those um, how did you, like, if, you know, your administrator on campus with you, you're not connecting, how can you build that relationship and how can you build other peer relationships so you feel that you have like a team kind of in the trenches with you? It, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, I was very blessed, however, to work with just incredible uh, leaders that, First and foremost, we all want the same thing. We want our kids to be successful. And at the middle school, we, um, we are, we're very competitive. I mean, we wouldn't be leaders if we weren't competitive. Um, but we also were very supportive. And so um, 
I wanted to make sure that when they walked in to a meeting or whenever I had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with them, it was uh, just a very comfortable, sincere setting. I didn't want them to think, I didn't want to be the person that when I walked into their campus, they were thinking, oh gosh, why is she here? I wanted to walk in where they were like, oh, thank goodness she's here. And it's just setting that that tone, your, your appearance is important, your demeanor is important, because when you need to have uncomfortable conversations, and you will, um, it's not it's it, it's not a bad conversation because you've already established good rapport with them. And then in terms of our peers, because I was a middle school principal in at the same district where I was the associate, I knew how well we worked together, and and that grew organically because we never we didn't have the organization chart where you had an associate over elementary, middle, and, and high. As middle school principals, because we felt like the middle child, we felt left out, we created our own little cadre. And uh, and that really helped me when I transitioned as the associate because I already knew just how powerful this group is. So that when any new principal came in, I would tell them from the get-go, you're going to walk into a group of principals that are very cohesive, very supportive, so that anything you need, we will make time to talk about it, to help each other, so that they don't feel like they're the only ones going through certain things. And it's uncomfortable to air your, your laundry out to others because sometimes you feel you're the only one going through certain problems, but in reality, we all go through it. And so they need to know that they can count on each other to make sure that, that if they have a question, they can reach out and call. Um, whether it's me or whether it's their um, their colleagues, we establish that, that rapport with them. I know that you've done some work with associations in the state also, especially for, you know, principals in rural districts or where there's really not very many other people. What have you gotten out of that kind of relationship? So working with organizations is, is so important, and I recommend that uh, for everybody. You need to get involved outside of your campus, outside of your district, because you, you only know what you know. And so when you start looking elsewhere, you, you see, wow, there's just great opportunities across the board. And so I was very blessed to work with, um, with TALAS, which is the Texas Association of Latino Administrators and Superintendents. And it gave me a great feeling because I've, I've only been work, I've only worked with one district and to have an opportunity to work with all of the districts of region 19, it really opened my eyes to, to think, okay, we're again, very competitive. Um, and so we want, of course, you want to work with the district. That's the district of champions who wouldn't want to work uh, for that organization. But you've also got to realize that education you are dealing with, uh, working with our future, our, our kids. And so you want every child to experience top-notch quality instruction. And if, if you think, and I'll give you an example, you know, in Isada, we've got some great systems, great people in place. And so you think that that's the way it is across the board. And when it's not, then it's like, you know what, I've got a, a responsibility to, to help others because you want the best experience for all of our kids, regardless if they go to your district. And again, you're, you are um, advocating for your region. You want Region 19 to be the top of the state. And so being able to work with uh, different people, different leaders was, was very eye-opening, very helpful. And it just made me realize that um, we've got a lot of work to do. And, and we've got to uh, be ready to roll up our sleeves and, and help each other out because our kids, is, we're dealing with a different student profile right That's now. That's true. I, yeah. I'd love to and, talk about that. Talk about how you've seen that change over your career. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's, you know, back when I was teaching, it was whatever the teacher says, that's the way things are going to go. You know, parents were very supportive. Parents were very uh, respectful, very appreciative, and and so it, it, that cascaded to their kids, and that's how the kids uh, behaved and responded. And now it's just, um, there's just a lot of challenges. Uh, going through the pandemic that we did, uh, 
social skills are so vital, so important. And our kids lost out on some very critical um, um, lessons. And, uh, and so we need to, to go back and, and you talk about going back to basics, but you know, we, we just need to be uh, mindful and cognizant that uh, there are some things that were taught at home that now need to be taught uh, at school. And, you know, again, things like getting along with each other and, and being respectful and, and, and also um, teaching to the way kids are learning now. Um, technology is, is big. And um, I, was, uh, I was not very tech savvy um, as, as the way that I am now. And it wasn't because, yeah, and it wasn't because I didn't want to. It was just I wasn't forced to because I knew I had other people to help me. But when, um, you know, we went remote, it forced us to really use our, our tech skills in a way that we probably would not have used them before. And so now we've got to have a good balance because a computer cannot take away that um, that relationship piece, you know, to each other. Um and so we need to make sure that we are still taking time to really get to know our kids and, and, and making sure that they know how much you care about them. What, you know, what kind of brought you into Dallas? Like, what was it that drew you either to that particular organization? Did you know that you wanted to affiliate with some kind of platform? And that was the, like, what, how, what was that like? So, um, you know, going as a student, whether it was elementary, high school, I was very much involved in a lot of clubs and organizations. I love that. It's that sense of belonging. And, um, and that shouldn't have left. And, and for some reason, it, you know, I, I just didn't pursue that type of involvement. And uh, our superintendent was very much involved in that organization. And um, so he brought that awareness to our district. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, this could be a, a good start. And then um, the thing, things just fell into, into place. There was a, a vacancy um, on the board and two people that I've never worked with in our district or in, in the city because they don't work in our district. I got a call and uh, they asked me if I wanted to be, um, if I wanted to fulfill that vacancy. And I was like, this is a great opportunity. Why not? I, and I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I will tell you that. Because as I read the role of president-elect, it meant that I needed a, to um, put together a conference for the, the chapter. And I thought, how am I going to do that? I'm used to attending conferences, not putting things together. And so that was, um, it led me to reaching out to others to help and support me uh, make these conferences happen and um, established some great uh, committees and they they helped really put this this conference together they really made me look good for the last two years and, and i'm indebted to them uh, greatly and so it, it's also a great way to give back to the community um, i'm also involved in the texas women's council uh, um, and so that's a wonderful organization for um, female leaders and there's conferences locally and also um, go to um, also statewide as well. And so it's important that you give yourself um, that time. And you talked a little bit about self-care. Well, self-care is also making sure that you grow professionally and personally. And conferences like that give you that opportunity. What are some other ways that you kind of implement self-care to make sure that you can you know, come back day after day with the energy and excitement to do the job. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. Uh, a lot of prayer. I'm I'm not gonna lie. A lot of of prayer. I really believe that you know when I wake up, um, I know that whatever happens during that day was supposed to happen, and so I always give myself some time just to to reflect even before the day starts and and ask for strength and. And acceptance and and then just be grateful be grateful that I've been given another day to live be grateful that um, you know I've, I've got a, a wonderful um, husband and kids and and um, and they're gonna help me get through uh, the day and and so just being grateful for things really changes your your mindset it makes you start in a, on a positive note um, exercising. I get up at 4.30 in the morning and I'll go do my spinning class. Now that I'm retired, I'm able to add a, a walk 
to that. So the first time that I got to walk around the park and I started really noticing my surroundings, to be able to look up in the sky and just see just the beauty that we have, it's just really changed my whole perspective on things. Um, you really got, you know, you as the leader, you set the, the tone and the culture of the school. And so you really need to be very positive. And in order for that to happen, you've got to fill your cup. And so filling my cup also means that I take care of myself. I surround myself with, with positive people, people that are going to uh, help me learn from them. Um, I love reading. Um, the audio uh, books have been a godsend recently. Uh, and then listening to podcasts and learning, learning from others. You know, you don't have all the answers and, and nor should you. And so every day is a great learning experience. Um, I want to, I want to talk about, you know, as we're talking about self-care and filling your cup and doing things that kind of feed your soul, um, what was the difference for you when you were at home and, and didn't, weren't, wasn't finding that and you came back to work? What was it about work that you found kind of did that for you? I think, um, and I've thought about that a lot because now I think the last like three years of my career, I'm like, I think I could be a stay-at-home mom now. Um, and granted, my kids are like, now they're 25, 26. So yeah, of course it would be easy. Um, but I think just being in the trenches and knowing that you've got kids and, and, and my kids rely on me too, but um, just knowing the impact of, of working with hundreds of, of kids and and working with educators that we're all here to help mold the life of, of, of our future. And that's, you know, as cliche-ish as that may sound, that's the whole reason I went into teaching, to make a difference in the lives of, of kids and the impact that you have. Because it doesn't matter, you know, where I may be out at a restaurant or shopping, I'll run into somebody that I have known that I either taught, that I was either their assistant principal or principal. I may not be very good with names um, anymore, but they'll remind me. And that's just real, that's very rewarding. And it just makes you understand the impact that you have. And so um, it, did it take a toll on, on my personal life with my kids? I think it probably did. Um, there was a lot of um, practices and games that I missed from my kids that because I had to be at work, I had to be taking care of things. And, um, you know, looking back, yeah, I, I probably could have changed things, but I don't regret what, what has happened. If anything, I've learned from it so that I'm able to tell, again, aspiring leaders, new principals, make sure you honor your family uh, as much as you mentioned that, you know, wherever you go, you run into people that you have known professionally. I know that has to be weighty. Like you're, like you said earlier, you're always on. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you kind of carry that weight in a way that doesn't drag you down in a way that, um, I don't know, is manageable for you? I think, again, it goes back to your values mm. and, and, and your character because, yeah. you know, you are who you are when nobody's watching. And so if you really say that you, um, you lead with integrity or that you are an honest person or that you're hardworking, then it really shouldn't matter wherever you go um, because you are exhibiting or practicing those behaviors. Mm. And so you just, you know, just creates who you are as, as a person. Mm -hmm. And so um, you're mindful about it. But I also understand that this is a career choice that, that, that I made. I chose to be this person. And so I need to be able to, to stand up and, and live up to that. I'd love to ask, what are some leaders or who are some leaders that you really look up to and respect that have taught you and what have they taught you and how have they taught you? When you think of, man, I wouldn't be who I am today without this leader that you had. I'd love to hear some stories about people that have impacted you as your leader. There's, there's quite a few. Oh, my goodness. I will start first with that high school teacher, um, Rita Harlan. And she um, was just a strong teacher, very passionate teacher. So from her, I learned passion. 
she loved what she was doing and you could tell and she wanted people to feel the way that she felt and so she really um instilled that in me as a, as a high school student um as a leader or as a as a teacher just so many of them but i'll start with triana olivas who um, was my principal when i was the assistant principal and with her i i learned the importance of of details not to, to let any stone un, unturned you've got to take care of everything and and to really appreciate and love your people she loves me in a way that i to this day i'll never forget in fact my daughter is named after her and i would never have thought that i would i would name my daughter or name my somebody right but the impact that she has made in my life you know is it still you know, touches me um to this day um great superintendents that i worked with um hector montenegro dr hector montenegro was one and he was the one that took a chance on me and said all right you're at a, a pre-k center i need you to go to an elementary campus and he was very charismatic but one of the things that he did that i have never forgotten and i still tell him to this day his first day on the job was um there was like 63 64 principals in the room he went to each and every one of us he knew our name and he knew the campus that we were leaving that was the first day that he was on the and that was that left an impression on me because again it makes me feel like uh, i'm important to him he knows who i am and so that it's important too that you know your kids and and having campuses with 700 kids up to a thousand kids you know you've got a dynamic principal when they can tell you not only the names of their kids but the stories behind them that's that's building relationships right there then the uh, last uh, superintendent that I worked with, uh, Dr. De La Torre, with him, he uh, very bold, um, but he's one that made sure or, or really modeled and also told us, look, we're going to make mistakes, but what's important is that we take responsibility for those mistakes and we learn from them so that it's not repeated again. And so I uh, learned that from him. But I think my the biggest leaders or, or mentors are my parents, without a doubt, my, my parents. They uh, really just fostered uh, that love uh, of family and really had, um, you know, they taught us what truly is important. Because in the grand scheme of things, you could make all this money and have these wonderful possessions, but if you don't have anybody to go home to and to share that with, then your life really isn't fulfilled. Oh, I love that. Um, we're coming up on our time here already. I can't believe it. Um, be before we go, um, what would you love to tell our audience, the principals out there that feel isolated or that are just under-resourced, that are new to the role and still learning a lot or um, are in a big, giant district and just feel like that forgotten middle child, what would you love to leave our audience with today? first and foremost never forget why you're there and and you're supposed to be where you're at never never doubt or question that you're there for a reason and so once you realize that that's your purpose um everything will fall into place one you're not alone because we've all been where where you are your principal you know, your superintendent or your associate we've been where you are and so we're here to help and to support know that um, every day is a clean slate and so whatever happened the day before again you're going to learn from that and make sure that tomorrow's a better day take time to reflect um, know that that it's it's not a, a one-size-fits-all um, you know what worked at one campus may not work at the other campus but you've got to believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself then how are you going to help others and 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 when you don't have confidence in yourself and your ability, then it's really hard to be that leader uh, for everybody else. And so don't feel guilty taking some time to, to take care of you. Um, read, learn. You've got that self-determination and that initiative to uh, work harder and to do you know, more than what is expected. Um, just never forget, never forget who you are. And um, 
and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. 30, 32 years flew by so quickly. I'm not going to lie. I couldn't believe it. And if somebody were to have told that fifth grade teacher what she was going to be doing for the next 32 years of her life, I would have never believed it. I love that. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to connect more. Um, Are you going to still be around and mentoring? Like what's next for you? Are you just, Hey, I did my time and I'm stepping out. Are you staying connected to educators? Like what does that look like for you now? I am. I am. It's hard to just totally separate because consume my life. Um, I am definitely going to continue uh, with uh, one educating myself and, and, and staying involved. I am still involved in the organizations. My hope is to mentor aspiring leaders, um, continue with, with that aspect. Um, there's so much out there and I didn't realize that there's, there's life after, after taking over a school or a district but still be in the education field. And so I want to continue doing that. Uh, I would love to, to start uh, writing a, a book on leadership. Um, there's so many um, just great gurus out there that you're learning from and you're thinking, I can do that. I can do that. And so, yeah, this is just another, another chapter in my life. I definitely want to uh, travel uh, with my, with my husband. Um, I, I, we got married and had kids right away. And so, we're going through that empty nest uh, syndrome and, and, and re, um, you know, um, discovering each other. And, and it's been a wonderful experience to do that. Catherine, is there any way that folks can get a hold of you if they just really feel like they're connecting with what you're saying? Um, how can people kind of find you or get a hold of you? Oh my goodness, definitely. I mean, do I share my phone number and email to you? Yeah, if you'd or, like, if you'd like, or I can I can share your email in the show notes and we can just direct folks there, okay. whatever you're yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely do that. Okay. I'd love I'd love to connect with people. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll make sure y'all you can find Catherine's email in our show notes today. If you'd like to get a hold of her, you can do that that way. Catherine, thanks so much. Thank you. And there you have it, folks, Dr. Katherine Kennedy. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me that day. It was so wonderful to chat with you and hear your stories. Um, as always, this podcast is produced and edited by Erwin Solbach. Our logo design and all of our branding work for this podcast was from Alana Kanoy at Steel Consulting. And this whole production is brought to you by Responsive Learning. You can find links to all of the resources that Dr. Katherine Kennedy mentioned in the show notes below, including links to Dallas and to the Texas Council of Women School Executives. That's it. <laughs> I always forget that one. Um, as always, y'all, thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you.